is Adam Creighton. I'm the senior product manager for Gamebrio for Emergent Game Technologies. This is either our inaugural podcast or will be fodder for our outtake reel. With me today, I have Dan Amerson, who's the technical director for Gamebrio. We want to talk a little bit about our most recent release from Emergent Game Technologies, Gamebrio 2.5, which has a bunch of uh, interesting features that we're pretty uh, stoked to get into the market. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Adam. Um, had a long day, so... Uh, we'll see if my voice holds up through this. Yeah, it's fine. No, I appreciate you taking the time because I know that uh, you're actually working uh, and I drag you off to do this kind of stuff. Um, wait, wait, this isn't work? I'm not getting paid for this? Uh, this is what we call after hours. <sighs> Man, I knew I should have negotiated that out of my contract. Um, so anyway, uh, so 2.5, what's exciting about 2.5? Uh, well, there's a lot that's exciting about 2.5. 2.5 is probably the biggest release we've ever done in Gamebryo. We took the time to really go back down to the core technology, pick the pieces that we felt like needed the most work and, and rip them out and put in a system that there, there was no way we could make it incrementally better. We had to start over. So we've got a brand new geometry system in there with a ton of flexibility. It's tied into our floodgate technology. So there's a huge opportunity for parallelism and multi-core acceleration. And then on top of that, uh, we've added things like the new terrain system, uh, which is a great new functionality for the engine. Uh, and then there's a bunch of additional enhancements uh, that we can talk about. I mean, I could go on forever. 2.5 is, is probably the most feature-rich release we've ever done. So, it, you know, on that front, it's incredibly exciting. Well, and Emergent has a, a history of, of having some fairly unique differentiators, um, which isn't redundant at all. Um, but but things that set us apart from the other engine offerings, uh, largely on the extensibility side, the multi-platform support, and then multi-core or multi-threading, um, and we'll probably hit a few of those during uh, tonight's conversation. But you know, you, you mentioned um, the system that we basically redid for two five. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So uh, you know, longtime users of Gamebryo uh, would be familiar with the geometry system that we had. Uh, it was a very robust system, but it was also uh, a fixed system. Uh, the format of the data, there wasn't a lot of variability uh, allowed, and it was a system that we had to do a certain amount of, of runtime patching. Uh, so when we loaded up data, there might be some format conversions and some packing that would occur to work with uh, various GPUs or various console hardwares. With 2.5, we went back to the board for that, and we said, you know, let's, let's get it designed so that we do all that work in the tools. Uh, and that we provide complete flexibility. We don't care what format the data is. Uh, and we've, we've come back with a system that has all of the same uh, runtime efficiency that the old system would have had, but at load time, uh, it's significantly faster when you're loading your data files. Those data files can be smaller, and the in-memory representation after you load the data can be smaller uh, with really zero perceptible loss to the end user. So what we're enabling here is more objects in, in a game on the consoles, smaller objects, smaller data files, makes it easier for people to target consoles with limited memory. If you're talking about PlayStation 3, where there's really only 256 megabytes of main memory, uh, or if they're you know looking at a downloadable title and they really want to keep the size of their assets small, this new system is going to have a ton of enabling features for them. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and um, you know... One of the things that that we don't do is we we don't make games of our own. We ba- basically make uh, basically we basically make the technology that other people can use to make games. So talk about that for a minute. What's exciting about getting this release out into the market for those folks? 
Well, you know, you, you, we've had this discussion before where we say, you know, we don't make games ourselves, um, even though we are a bunch of creative guys. We come up with great ideas that power these features. But the most exciting thing is to get it in the hands of our customers and see the exciting things that they do with this technology. Uh, we, we actually showcased um, an example of that at GDC this year, uh, Coldwood, uh, Tech, uh, Tech Coldwood Interactive, I believe is the right. official company name. Uh, had taken version of 2.3 and put together just a truly amazing tech demo that we we really wanted to showcase. We wanted to highlight that that's what Gamebryo enables, but also highlight that, that that's what comes from the customers. Uh, 2.5, I expect to see the you know the possibilities to multiply. Um, we've enabled a ton of new technologies. We've enabled a ton of new high performance technologies. I can't begin to say enough about how awesome the mesh modifier system is and how it's tied into floodgate um i'm sure we'll talk about that later because it's it's one of the pillars of 2.5 and um besides floodgate is just such a damn cool name um <laughs> i'm glad i came up with it <laughs> and you're modest too uh and and the, the nine o'clock show is totally different folks but uh modesty so- is not something i'm known for Adam, so <laughs> you need to check your notes i know you haven't been here long it's but. a part of part of your endearing qualities uh or maybe it was in the other column. I can't remember. Yeah, there, there's nothing endearing about me. So yeah, the the Coldwood thing was was an interesting example of what people were able to do on on our last version of the engine, and we've actually got the video and the case study up on the website now, and uh, we're excited to see what those same creative people are able to do with even more flexibility with some of these features in 2.5. Yeah, you, you talked about Floodgate. Um, you know, for those who might not be up to speed on what Floodgate is, abstract it from that name for a second and talk a little bit about what that is as related to Gamebryo. Right. So Floodgate, in its, you know, the simplest description of Floodgate is, is pure, unadulterated awesome. But um, <laughs> I don't think that helps anyone, so I'll, I'll clarify a little bit. Uh, when we were developing technology for PlayStation 3, we recognized a really distinct need uh, to provide developers with a way to write code to target the SPUs but at the same time be able to use that code on Xbox 360, on uh, PCs with multiple cores, and even on PCs with single core, and and eventually uh, on Nintendo Wii. So the Floodgate technology is two components. One, it's it's an API that allows developers to, to put stream processing tasks into their game. The second thing that comes with it is a runtime component. And the runtime component's job is to take these stream processing tasks and efficiently schedule them on whatever computational resources a machine has. Um, this runs the gamut. So if we have a single-threaded uh, Pentium 4 machine, then we're going to choose to execute those resources effectively single-threaded, serially, because that's the fastest way we can do it. On the, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, if we have a machine like PlayStation 3, where we have these seven or six SPUs available, uh, we're going to take the task, we're going to carve it up into little chunks, and we're going to send one over to SPU 1 and one over to SPU 2 and another piece to SPU 3, and then automatically recombine those results for the user. So we really take a lot of the complexity out of targeting these disparate hardware architectures. Right, right. And we've got, you know, Floodgate has been, you know, quite a a selling point for us, even in in the previous version of GameRail. We actually have a a white paper up on the website, and then don't you have an interview that you did with Gamma Sutra about Floodgate? Yeah, there was an interview with Gamma Sutra. Um, you know, there's multiple ways to find it. You could go straight to Gamma Sutra, or I'm pretty sure if you just search the internet for apples to steaks, you will find it because I, 
did a now infamous comparison between some things at the end of that interview. Which so. which made it into the, the final interview. So uh, we can now Google apples and steaks and find Dan Amerson. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure product management had to approve that. So I appreciate you letting me um, crucify I, myself. I, I think product management may have endorsed that particular one. We, we It was a differentiator. And we, we had it's a to, differentiator. We had, we had to put it in there. So you, Okay, so we talked about Floodgate. We talked about uh, geometry system re-architecture that we did. Now, talk about mesh modifiers, because that's kind of the, the, the third prong to that particular feature set. Yeah, so, you know, mesh modifiers bring those two pieces together. Um, the Floodgate system allows you to run code in parallel, serial processing, stream processing tasks. Uh, the geometry system, when we re-architected it, we said, what if there were a way to basically hang, to decorate stream processing tasks, uh, or to decorate in mesh with stream processing tasks? So we added this mesh modifier system, and, and what it does is it allows you to put an arbitrary modifier object on any mesh. Um, you can have multiple of them. And it allows you to specify uh, beginning and ending points for that mesh modifier. Now, some of these points are predefined in Gamebryo. So when you update an object, or when we determine that it's visible, uh, we might fire or complete a mesh modifier. Uh, what that allows you to do is basically, if you can write a floodgate kernel for something, you can attach it to a mesh and it'll automatically happen every frame. We've converted our skinning system, our uh, blend shape morphing, particle simulation. Uh, we've got an example of how to do a custom water surface simulation. All of that's integrated via the mesh modifier system. Uh, you know, the, the possibilities for mesh modifiers go a really long way. If you want to do custom grass simulations, hair, cloth, uh, you could do those through the mesh modifier system. It's just, uh, oh man, I can think of so many cool things. Like if, if someone had like a decaying arm or was infected with like a, had mold growing on them. I mean, there's so many great things you can do all these neat effects and the best part about it is use the mesh modifier system you give this to a user right and they got one of these quad core machines automatically going to be fast right um, yeah and talk talk, talk a little bit about that because people well, well let's talk about a couple of things first let's talk about people going from two three to two five in the context of floodgate the geometry system redesign and mesh modifiers well yeah so we've got a ton of users out there and they've been using the product for years i mean gamebryo has been around, um, I think the official provenance is like five years. Uh, and before that, we had our, uh, you know, um, other technology available from the company. So these users have built up applications and tons of code. So what we wanted to do is make sure the trans transition was as seamless as possible. Right. When we load data files from 2.3 into 2.5, uh, we, we identify those tasks that we want to automatically accelerate with mesh modifiers, and we convert them on the fly. So... It's not. It's the case that uh, if you load up an uh, object that has blend shapes on it, we'll create that mesh modifier for morphing those blend shapes. And so users that were doing a single-threaded app on 2.3 that transition to 2.5, uh, they're just automatically going to have it run faster, um, which we're really excited about because, you know, that's that's uh, free performance for those developers, zero work and. You know, one of our core things that we say about our product is that we re help reduce the cost and time to market. Right. Um, 
I know I sound like a marketing goon right now. I promise I'm an engineer. No, 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 no. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the stuff that, that's really working where we've been successful and what we want to do even more of in 2.5. So we've got these people who, if they're on 2.3 and they go to 2.5, any of their assets that are skinned or are morphing or our particle systems are, are all automatically going to run accelerated by way of floodgate in the mesh modifier Absolutely. system. And, and there's nothing to stop them from taking other systems they have. You know, any system that they had that touched geometry and manipulated geometry, one of the most common ones is like if you're doing an RPG and you get hit by a sword, you want to put a decal, a blood decal on the character. Uh, you can accelerate that with Floodgate. You could procedurally make blood drip out of it and make the mesh, uh, the, the decal fade over time. You know, any of that can be converted and then you let, you know, you let Gamebryo take care of scheduling it. Right, and, and you know, for those people that go from two three to two five, you know, they automatically get that acceleration. So, talk about what the additional effort or the additional benefit that people get starting with two five assets. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, any conversion we do automatically, we have to make certain assumptions, um, and that does make it difficult to convert one hundred percent of all assets. So, you know, of course, uh, people are going to get the the best benefit if they embrace two five take their source art files and, and take the mesh profile system that actually lets them control the layout and the precision of the geometry and re-export it. Right. So that's obviously the optimal path. But, you know, when we talk about what we do with Gamebryo and the fact that we are a middleware and a tools-focused company, you know, our bottom line is, is how do we empower the customers? So we made sure that those old assets would load and that they would convert but, um, you know, the, the optimal path is to go through 2.5 because that conversion process, it just can't be as good as an art director spending a day or two outlining policy and giving it to his team. So the real, the real benefit, the speed of load and the, the smaller vertex data and the tighter representation, that's all going to be something that you're going to get when you fully re-export your art in 2.5. So Excellent. There are benefits to that. Do you, do you want to talk at all uh, any more about floodgate geometry uh, or the mesh modifiers before we dig into some of the other cool stuff that's in 2.5? I mean, see, I could talk about this for forever, but we'll run out of time, so I'll cut myself off. All right. So, um, you know, we've, uh, the other thing that we've got in 2.5 is, is the introduction of our new terrain system, which is both on the runtime and tools side of things. So this is something we haven't had previously in Gamebryo. It's, an, it's a new tool and runtime uh, integration that we're very excited about from Emergent. Um, you want to say anything about that? Well, I mean, the terrain system is just very exciting. It adds a whole new dimension of capability to the engine. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a higher level you know, object that manages terrain and happens to have some meshes underneath it. There's some really unique and powerful technology in there uh, to do the layer blending. So you might have a terrain with, uh, with rocks and grass, but you, know, you want to have smooth transitions between those. So there's some great technology to control the layer blending, to transmit that information to an application so the application can you know, play sounds louder or with a different uh, you know, pitch when they're on the rock versus the grass, right? Because it's going to have different audio properties. Right, right, sure. Um, and, but also, you know, we've, we've fully integrated this into Scene Designer, which is our layout and lighting tool with Gamebryo 2.5. And people can go in, and it's a full, you know, what you see is what you get. We're using Gamebryo to render the view in there. But you can, you know, bring in height maps, modify the terrain. You can paint it, raise it up, and lower it. Um, so it's a very intuitive workflow for artists. We, we did a ton of user testing here in-house. We had uh, our support team working on it and the artists in-house working on it, making sure we just really hammered on it and made it easy to use. 
I think we're going to see some really, really interesting results from it. I think it's going to make it even easier for people to do, you know, open terrain-based games. Um, and, and we're not going to stop there. You know, I was in a meeting today talking about what we're going to do with terrain and upcoming versions of the product. So uh, we're going to keep evolving this just like everything in the game brew. Yeah, sure, because this, this is our initial terrain offering, and we've got a lot of big plans and, and a, an internal roadmap for the things that we'll be doing for this system over the next several releases. We've also had, uh, this is one of the features that's been very exciting to a, a large part of our user base and prospect base, especially in the Pan-Asia region. We have a lot of licensees, especially within Korea and China and Japan, that are very excited about this new implementation and being able to leverage it for the products. Adam, they I'm, have. I'm in engineering, not product management, so you're going to have to dumb down Pan-Asia here. I was just doing uh, Asia minus uh, New Zealand and Australia. Oh, okay. Nothing against New Zealand and Australia. I was just talking about Pan-Asia. All New, right. New so, Zealand's very pretty. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen Lord of the Rings. They have sheep. Yes, Lots they of sheep, do. So. They do. And a very, very oddly named soap, Imperial Leather. Imperial Leather is from New Zealand? I thought it was. Maybe it's Australia. It's probably Australia. Hey, our Tasman- Tasmanian devils are New Zealand, right? Not Australia? You know, you're going to have to ask a biologist about that. Should right. we get back on topic? We or? pretty much plumbed the depths of our non-gaming uh, and, and tech sector. All right, no, so we, we are Americans. We, we know nothing of geography. <laughs> but, but we love everyone. So going, digging into uh, engine enhancements, do you want to talk about any uh, of that, or do you just want to leave it as a general bucket that we've got magic that people will love? Well, there's, there's a lot of magic. Um, yeah, when we, when we talk about a, a release like Gamebryo 2.5, uh, I remarked earlier that this is one of the biggest and most feature-rich releases we've ever done. Um, that's not just the top three features. That's not just floodgate and mesh modifiers and new geometry and terrain. There's also this this whole host of smaller things we're doing, things that we're evolving in the engine, and they're really important to developers to make sure they stay on the leading edge of technology. So it can be important stuff, enhancements to the engine as small as supporting rumble and the dual shock three controller now that sony's added that or going in you know going in and saying uh you know when you cast a ray into the scene we now have a new configurable way to compute what it intersects because different studios have different needs so you know i could talk about a dozen of those on here i don't know that it'd be really valuable to a lot of people um those developers that are interested, I really encourage them to get the new version of Gamebryo and, and check out what's in the documentation in the what's new section. And it's, gosh, I haven't counted the pages. I think our what's new section is like 40 pages with this release. It's, it's a lot of stuff. Right. Because like, like you said, this is, this is one of the biggest and most feature rich releases we've done in some time, if not ever. Right. So there, there's, there's quite a, a bit of uh, features, functionality, and, and corrections we've made in the product. Um, and engine enhancements is kind of a bucket of a bunch of stuff when you're a game engine. Um, so, you know, the, the, the takeaway is that there's, there's a lot of stuff other than just the buckets we've outlined. Right. We, we've tried to uh, add some additional uh, market features that, that we knew were needed there. We tried to meet a lot of customer needs, current licensees. We've got probably, when you look at, at previous incarnation and the current, we've probably got around nine plus years of, of history and users. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 like I say, we can list them off, but when you look at, at what we do with a release, um, it, part of it's driven by our internal engineering and part of it is driven directly by what we hear from customers, either through guys like you in product management or, or just directly through the support channel. Things that... Uh, dare i say are broken i mean we're not perfect it happens but but things that aren't what i know i know i i keep telling my guys quit writing broken code maybe you're not perfect 
Yeah, okay. Product management is perfect. <laughs> um, but also things that aren't functioning exactly the way we they thought or uh, things that, you know, just when we designed them, we didn't understand the use cases fully, and we continually iterate on those. Uh, we continually are upgrading new, you know, supporting new versions of 3D Studio Max and Maya, supporting new versions of Visual Studio, upgrading uh, our support for the various consoles, making sure on the latest SDKs. That's all sort of maintenance work that gets it gets overlooked a lot. But I, I've certainly um, worked with various packages where I wished the you know the updates came a little more frequently. So I'm proud to you know say yeah we, at Gambrio we make sure that we stay up to date for our users because I've said it a couple times uh, in in our discussion here today we make tools and middleware and we're focused on making sure our users get what they need. Right, right. Well, and the other thing that you said that was was pretty key was uh, you you said that you encourage developers to check out the new version of Gamebrio. And we do have an evaluation program where people can do that, where qualified developers can get a hold of Gamebrio, play with it. We, We ship just an amazing amount of samples and demos that come with the core product so they can see source code in action. Do you want to talk a little bit about those demos and samples in relation to Gamebrio as a product? Yeah, so we we make sure when you buy uh, or evaluate Gamebrio that you get everything you need to understand the capabilities of the engine. So along those lines, we provide um, various degrees of samples. Uh, sort of the smallest scale would be our tutorials, and those are very small and self-contained. Uh, some of them are as simple as, you know, 15 lines of code. Here's how you create a renderer and set the background color to red. Um, it doesn't do anything exciting, but it, it really gives you a super simple entry point. And we have things like that for artists. Here's how you might take a you know a sample character and add an animation to it. Uh, and then we progress from that to what we, we call demos. Um, they might more accurately be called tech demos. Right. So they're really going to highlight one feature. You know, we have one called standard material that has a bunch of UI to let you turn textures on and off and see what happens with our standard material when you turn off the environment map and turn on the normal map. Uh, and then beyond that, we have a folder that we call full demos, um, for lack of a better differentiation. And those are larger scale demos that bring together multiple Gamebryo systems. Um, some of them are previous year's GDC demos. Some of them are things we've done in conjunction with customers. Um, and those really show how to take an animated character and a level and some sound and use maybe a, a partner integration on sound. Uh, to really tie together all these concepts and put together something that's polished, maybe something you might pitch to a publisher. And we provide those for people because, you know, a lot of times there are smaller shops looking at our technology. They want to take one of these demos, modify it slightly, and use it to help pitch to the publisher. And we want to empower that so that, you know, they can make their game and they can get a deal and, and, it, it all goes back to helping people out. Yeah, with the with the eval version and the full version of Gamebryo, both you get these these uh, the samples, the demos, and the full demos, which are increasing levels of, of complexity. The, the samples being very rudimentary, the demos being very single tech demo focused, and the full demos being an integration of multiple of those demos. And uh, people have found that pretty useful. We've had several licensees that, from a prototyping perspective, have taken the demos or the full demos and mixed and matched and then extended with their own art and assets and their own know-how and created their prototypes for publisher prototypes or in-house prototypes or first playables or those kind of things. You also talked about tech integrations and the examples that we have there. Uh, One of the things that I would argue we're very good at is recognizing that as a company, we can't do it all. 
in the game space. And so what we've chosen to do is partner with some best-of-breed folks uh, for some of the other tech solutions. And rather than just a paper partnership with, with these uh, technical companies, we've done these low-level integrations with our product to, to leverage their tech and ours. So we've done that with, with everything from the DCC tools to uh, foliage generation, so speed tree, those kinds of things, um, gesture control on the Wii, or, or uh, being able to leverage more on the independent hardware uh, vendor front with our partners. And then we've also got things by way of pathfinding and, and uh, physics and UI and those kinds of things. Um, would you, what would you say about those integrations um, and kind of the, the tack that Emergent has taken well, you know, the phrase is jack of all trades, master of none. Um, we'd rather be a master of the one thing we do well, uh, and traditionally that's been graphics. Uh, right. We're, we're, we're trying to stay really strong in that, but at the same time we recognize we need to provide a more complete solution to everyone, and we've been continually expanding the functionality and the capabilities of the engine over the versions. What we're doing now with these partner integrations is saying, you know, in the areas where we've, we've got a lot of strength, we're going to develop technology. On top of that, we want to also be this nexus, this hub of middleware. Um, we're the, Ooh, we're the guys. Yeah, nexus. That's, that's a good one. I like that. I love that word. Uh, we want to be the guys that you want to work with. I mean, we, we provide this great piece of middleware. We're excited about the flexibility and the extensibility. And we're not afraid to say, great, take your technology and plug it in because if you have a great technology, if you have great audio technology like we're seeing from Audio Kinetic or a really uh, powerful UI tools that we're seeing out of Scaleform and the great, you mentioned the foliage solutions uh, from IDV's SpeedTree product, you know, plug those in. There's an opportunity for a synergy there. If people are buying your stuff, they may not want to write the integration. Well, look, you can buy Gamebryo and vice versa. You buy Gamebryo and you're like, man, man I really need this great tree solution. I don't have an artist that can do trees. You, you can go pick that up. So we think that there's really a huge business opportunity for us, and, and it really uh, is going to provide a superior product, which means more sales for everyone involved. So right. and can't went, complain about that. No, not at all. And the other thing it does is it respects studios' um, investment to date with technology. So we want to be able to, to provide integrations with our product and stuff they've already invested in so that that investment doesn't go by the wayside just because they, they choose a very strong engine in our product. And uh, I think we've been very successful in that front. We have more to do um, that we're very excited about that will be coming over the next few quarters. Um, you did make a comment that uh, where we've traditionally been strong is on the graphics front. And uh, that's, that's very true, and we're also excited that we've got some additional focus uh, beyond that that is going to be for a, a later recording session. Um, yeah, but, we uh, should get people excited about uh, the future features we're going to talk about. I mean, I, I certainly didn't want to imply graphics is all we know, but that's, that's been our traditional stronghold, and we've got such a great product there that we're, we're looking uh, to broader horizons for the next release. Those were some of those planning meetings I was in earlier today. Right. Um, and I've seen some of the technology that's coming out. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when, when you when you partner our current success and what we're going to be doing with those core competencies with some very, very uh, exciting additive uh, functionality features and products, uh, we're getting ready to blow the lid open. Yeah, so speaking of stuff that's new, uh, Adam, I'll turn this back around on you. Um, you've really stepped into a role here at Emergent in product management that um, is pretty new to the way we're doing business, and I think it's very transformative to use uh, 
an overused word within our company, right? <laughs> it's pretty transformative in the way that we're going to interact with our customers. So, you know, talk about how you feel about that and the, the value you think that's going to add to the product that is Gamebryo and the relationship that studios have with Emergent. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually very excited about it. And, and uh, I think it speaks very highly to uh, Emergent's focus on the market and on the customers and on the opportunity that's out there in a partnership kind of perspective to be able to, to, to say, all right, we need a voice and an advocacy for the customer. We need a bigger picture of what we can do and what we need to do to take care of uh, that license base and that potential license base is exciting. And, you know, it's, it's a change, right? It's a change in culture. And uh, I've been very happy with how uh, the engineering group has not uh, tarred and feathered me within the uh, first several months that I've been here. Only twice. It was yeah, and it was uh, and it wasn't real tar. Um, it was like tar light. We used caramel. Yeah, and, which was tasty, and uh, the feathers were they tickled me. Um, so I'm I'm excited about uh, what we're able to do moving forward with uh, product management and that, that business and biz dev focus in addition to just the tremendous strength because Emergent has done so well already. And, you know, you talked about we have a lot of customers. We do, right? Gamebryo is the, is the foundational tech under around 200 games with 100 additional games already in development. And we'll, we'll see a large chunk of those this year and the first part of next. That's, you know, we've used the tagline 300 plus projects can't be wrong. Uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, you know, honestly, looking back at how many titles have used Gamebryo, I wonder if maybe in the future one of these podcasts we should just say, you know, just take some of those titles and talk about them because it's surprising. It surprised me when I joined the company, gosh, what, seven years ago. I had played games that used this technology and, you know, games that I was like, what? this is amazing stuff. And to get my fingers into that technology and to know that that's available to everyone else, is it's pretty cool. And I didn't mention another big thing earlier, which bad product manager, uh, the XSI exporter. We're adding, right. so, adding support for a whole new DCC tool. Um, and it's a... Yeah, it's not my area. It's not your area. Yeah, the tools team is not involved in the podcast today. That's a separate podcast. <laughs> and this is our sandbox right now. So yeah, the XSI exporter too, which is going to add a whole new facet to the content generation pipeline, and it's a, it's an important uh, tool to support because it's very very popular in Japan, and you know everyone who's a gamer knows there's a lot of great technology from Japan. We'd love to be involved with them and love to help bolster that creativity. So yeah, exactly. Being able to to support that innovation, you know, you talked earlier about your excitement with getting 2.5 into the hands of our very creative and amazingly talented licensees. And uh, the Japanese market is a version of that. And they've been excited about a bunch of things for 2.5, from the, the floodgate enhancements for PS3 to the geometry system redesign and the mesh modifiers to the XSI support, which is just another piece of Emergent's commitment to the, the digital content creation tools. Absolutely. I mean... We, we've long supported 3D Studio Max and Maya, and we've, we've always said that you know, we want to be where developers need us to be and where the artists need us to be. Um, and you know, as we've gone into these additional markets, we've realized that there, there actually is a fair bit of regional variability in the, in the tool that the artists prefer. And it makes sense when you think about it because there's local training and there's you know, groups of professionals who are sharing tips and technology and moving and transitioning between companies, and standards do emerge. Right. Um, so it, it really behooves us to, to facilitate that. 
Right, and we facilitate that in a bunch of different ways because just as an aside, we've, we've got our resellers and our support groups that are local to Korea, Japan, and China to make sure that we're able to meet that local market in a much more timely and culturally, culturally appropriate way than what we can. We should open the next podcast by saying hello in multiple languages. We should. We should probably get someone other than me. I, I mean, I, my Korean's not too bad, no. at least as far as saying hello. Um, and I think I can cover Japanese. If you could just do, you know, the China angle, we would be covered. Yeah. Okay. I could. Well, I could. I, I could go Dinhao. Is, is that it? That, yeah. That's that's basically high in Chinese. All right. Well, there you go. I mean, I've got Anyong Hasio. We can cover Korea, and we're set. <laughs> but we just That'll did be, it, didn't we? Yeah, we just did one. Now we're done. That's true. So uh, we, on on that note, we'll call it uh, we'll call it good. Thanks for joining us for our uh, inaugural uh, podcast slash outtake fodder and uh thanks for taking the time to listen all the way through thanks dan oh no problem adam and thanks to everyone who listens in um we're glad you're interested in the technology and excited to talk to you more all right looking forward to the next one bye